in Pashas Nasai, one of the halachas we learn about is the halacha of the Nazir. The Nazir is somebody who wants to take on extra restrictions. Even though most Jews are allowed to become Tomei to Mesim, it's only the Kainim who are forbidden. But the Nazir wants to live on a higher level that he too will abstain from coming into contact with a mace. Similarly, even though the Torah doesn't forbid drinking wine, obviously in moderation, the Nazir wants to accept on himself a higher level and therefore he undertakes not to drink wine or eat any product which comes from grapes. And therefore the Torah describes to us a person who is spiritually motivated to grow. A person is undertaken to do more than is expected of them. And now there are two ways that Nazirus can end. A person can choose to take on Nazirus for a certain amount of time. The minimum is a month, but it could be as long as he wants. And at the end of that time, the Nazir will bring Korbanus to signify the end of the Nazirus. And after that, then the special halachas which apply to them as a Nazir no longer apply to them. They can go back to becoming Tommy or drinking wine or cutting their hair. But there's another option also. And that is if during the course of a Nazir's Nazirus, he or she would become Tommy Mace, then that halach is they have to bring special korbanus of a Nazir Tame. And following that, they have to begin the whole cycle of Nazirus again. So if they originally undertook to become a Nazir for a year, and during the year they would become Tomei, even inadvertently, they would have to bring the carbon of a Nazir Tomei, and after that they would start counting again, another year. Now on this thing, of a carbon of a Nazir Tomei, we find a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara actually comes in two places, both in Maseches Nadarim and in Maseches Nazir, and the Gemara tells us a story. And the Gemara says, it tells us the story of the Kohen Gadol, Shimon HaTzadik. And Shimon HaTzadik said, the Gemara is on the Darim Daftesamul Beis and the Darim and Nazir Daftaramul Beis. And the Gemara says, Oma Shimon HaTzadik, Mi Yomai Leachalti Osham Nazir Tami. In my life, I never ate the meat which is meant for the Kohen to eat from the Osham of a Nazir Tami. As we learned previously, a Nazir becomes Tomei, has to bring a carbon, it's called an Asham, and another Karbanus, and then he can re-begin his Nazirus. The din of the carbon Asham is that the fats and some of the organs get put on the Mizbech, the rest is given to the Kohenim to eat. So even though Shimon HaTadik, as the Kohen Gadol, was definitely entitled to eat the meat of the Asham of a Nazir Tomei, says Shimon HaTadik, in my life I never did that. Except for one time. Chutz, from one time. Me'odam echot. Adaram. He came from somewhere in the south. And Shimon HaSadik describes his appearance. He was Yefei Naim V'tayv He had beautiful eyes and he was good looking. Ukvutsoisov stores letaltalim. And his hair was arranged in locks. He had curled his hair. And obviously, it was something impressive enough that even the Kohen Gadol took notice of it. And Shimon HaTzadik, the Kohen Gadol, says to him, 
What did you see to destroy this beautiful hair? One of the denim of a Nazir is that he has to shave off all his hair. And therefore, Shimon Tzadik asked him, well, you're going to destroy, so to speak, your good looks. Why did you choose to become a Nazir? Amadi. So this Nazir from the South answers. And he says, I was a shepherd for my father in the town I lived in. I went to draw water from the pool and water reflects. I noticed my reflection in the water. And I saw myself that I was very good looking. And therefore my yetzer sprang up, so to speak, to confront me. I wanted to drive me from the world. It wanted to make me conceited. It wanted to make me caught up in my own good looks. And therefore this Nazir says, He says, I said to my Yetzara, Reiko, empty one. Why are you t- becoming conceited, becoming pr- prideful about a world which isn't yours? Why? In the end, you, like all men, kind, you're going to return to the dust, to the place of maggots and worms. And therefore, I make a shvur, says this Nazir, I'm going to become a Nazir, and I'll have to shave my head and ruin this hair. Says the Kohen Gadol Shemun HaTzadik. I got up and I kissed him on his head. Someone like you should become a Nazir. Now, what was so impressive about this Nazir? Why was this case different to all the other cases when Shimon al-Tzadik refused to eat from the carbon of the Nazir? And in this case he made an exception. So the Gemara already tells us in the Dharim that the reason why Shimon Atzadik didn't normally eat from the carbon of a Nazir Tameh is because he was afraid that the Nazir Tameh started to have regrets about being a Nazir. When a person originally undertook Nazirus, so he was in a certain level, and he felt he was going to take on Nazirus for a certain amount of time, what he felt he was capable of doing, and now he became Tameh. And that necessitates him starting right from the beginning again. And Shimon Atzadik felt that there would be a certain amount of people who in some way would regret the fact that they became Nazirim because it, 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 it forced them into accepting more than they originally intended, into extending their Nazirus. And Nazir originally thought he could maintain the level of a Nazir for a month, for a year, for however long he committed himself or herself to. And now they find it's much more than that because becoming Tomei halfway means they have to start from the beginning again. And therefore there will be a certain amount of regret on the original acceptance of the Nazirus. And therefore Shimon Atarik felt that there was a certain element of the carbon which wasn't Lishma. We can understand that. A person measures their own abilities. They predict what they're capable of. 
and suddenly they find that the commitment they originally undertook is doubled. So that we understand why a person would feel a certain amount of maybe regret, disillusionment. And if that's the case, maybe they didn't really want to accept the Naziris. Which is why Shimon Atzadik didn't want to eat from the carbon of a Nazir Tommy. As an extreme example, the Mishnah Nazir tells us about a certain lady who accepted Naziris for seven years. And what happened was at the end of that period of seven years she became Tomei and it landed up she had to repeat the Naziris for another seven years. So we can understand why would a person become a Nazir? There were those people who became a Nazir because they were facing some kind of terror. There was somebody unwell, they needed a certain Yeshua and they felt that by offering to become a Nazir it would earn them certain schusim in Shemaim. It would make Hashem more favorably disposed towards them. And if that's the case, so a person undertook, so to speak, an Aziris with a certain reason in mind. And it could happen that along the line they became Tomei and now they're obligated to repeat it. But now the original reason for accepting the Naziris may no longer be practical, may no longer be re- relevant. And if that's the case, it just becomes more of a burden to a person than something that they're looking forward to or willing to do. So we can understand why well, certain there might be a certain regret. That's one shot. There's another shot too. And to look at this, we have to first understand what was different about this Nazir from the South? Why, in his case, was Shimon Atari convinced that he didn't regret becoming a Nazir? That even though he was now Tommy and would have to start right from the beginning again, Shimon Atari felt that he's convinced that this Nazir, his intention is level and he's not going to regret his Nazirs. So we have to look at the words the Nazir says. And if we look carefully, there seems to be an extra line. Let's look at it again. The Nazir says, I was a shepherd for my father. And one time I went to draw water for the sheep and I noticed my reflection in the water. And my Yetzirah sprung up to overcome me. And what does he say to the Yetzirah? He says, Reiko. And if he would have said the line like this, Reiko. I know you want to make me do an Avera and therefore I make a nether to become a Nazir that I'm going to shave my head to Shemai. Would there be anything wrong with that? He's noticed that his Yetzirah is trying to get the better of him. He feels the way to combat that is to become a Nazir. And if that's the case, what would be wrong with, what he, with that thought process? But if you look what the Nazir does say, he adds an extra line. He says, Reiko, Why are you taking pride in a world which isn't yours? What did he mean with that? What's the concept of Oilam Sha'ina Shilcha? What's the concept of a world which isn't yours? So there's a lesson here I believe we can learn. And it's not just explaining the story of the Nazir. 
But it's something we can take into our own Kabbalah Satorah as well. And that is like this. When a person is aware that he's being challenged by his Yetzirah, a person's in a position when he's struggling to make the right decision. So there could be two approaches to how a person reacts. The first one, if he's motivated to fight back, if he's inspired to do the right thing, so then he'll take whatever steps are necessary to overcome the Yetzirah. But in cases like that, he's riding on the inspiration or the commitment which drove him to do that. And that will be effective at the time. But the problem is down the line. Down the line when the inspiration will wear off as it invariably does. And now, and now he's going to confront that same Yitzhara again. It's still there. And now the question is, what's he going to do to overcome it the second time around? A Nazir who would have felt tempted, challenged by his looks, but he's inspired enough to overcome the Yitzhara and take on the zeros. So at the time of inspiration, it's great. At the time of inspiration, it will carry him to make a commitment to overcome the Yetzirah. But given time, whether it's a month, a few months, a year, however long it is later, later on down the road, and he now becomes Tomei, and he has to start again. So this time, this time inspiration is not there. And when that happens, it becomes that much harder to defeat the Yetzirah when it comes back again. We see this in the Midbar. When Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, in the wake of all the Makkas, on the high of seeing Yad Hashem, surrounded by the Anon covered, they marched triumphantly and jubiliantly into the desert. So of course, they were willing to follow Hashem, they were willing to, to march out of Egypt. But we see over the course of the time in the desert, and during 40 years, when people get tired, and people get depressed, and disillusioned with where they are, and then they no longer feel that initial inspiration, which they did when they marched out of Egypt. So how many times in the postbook do we find that it says, Yisrael said, let's return to Mitzrayim. Let's go back to Egypt. Yes, at the time they left, they were riding on the inspiration of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But when their inspiration wore out, so the temptation to go back to Egypt loomed large. That's the one approach. But what we learn from this Nazir is that there's a second approach as well. And the second approach isn't to try and ignite one's inspiration. Isn't to try and come to a level where a person feels, I'm now able to overcome the Yetzirah. Because inspiration is temporary. The second option 
is to come to the understanding, to come to the clarity that the option of doing what the Yetzirah wants doesn't exist for me. It's not something which I could ever do. It's not an option. It's not an option. Because once a person comes to that intellectual clarity, this isn't an option, then it won't come to tempt them later. It's no longer in the realm of something which you would entertain. And that's what the Nazir said. When he felt his Yetzir pulling him to become enamored of his own looks, to become focused on his own physicality, he says to his Yetzir, that's not your world. That's not something you can relate to. That's not something you'll ever be. And if that's the case, it's not a question of the inspiration a person feels to fight the Yetzirah. That even though he feels he could give in, but now I'm inspired to fight against it, to overcome it, it gets to a stage where that would, that's no longer considered an option for me. That's not my world. And then, it's not something I'm going to entertain again. And therefore, however much later it was, that this Nazir became Tame, and had to start his Naziris again, was there a chashash? Was there a concern that maybe he'd regret it? And feel, you know what, I never, I never I signed up for this. It's longer than I thought. I want to go back to priming my hair. I want to go back to developing my good looks. In this case, not. In this case, not. Because the Nazir came to understanding, it's Oylom She'enay Shelcha. That's not the world you're in. That's not something which would ever be applied to you. And if we understood this, you said, the difference between some seeing uh, something wrong as something I have to overcome, but then it's still a struggle because the question is how inspired I am to fight against, to get into the point where it no longer applies to me. And then in my mind, I've so to speak shut the option. It's not possible. Then let's look at what Kodesh Baruch Hu tells the Jewish people when they left Mitzrayim. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the Jewish people to think. And he tells them that the, like you see Mitzrayim today, you'll never see Mitzrayim again. You will never return on this path to Mitzrayim. Tell Yisrael, you were meant to internalize that lesson. It's not that we're inspired and that's why we're leaving Egypt. But when we get disillusioned and depressed, we'll think of coming back again. And Mitzrayim is still an option. That's what Torah is telling them. No, you'll never come back to Mitzrayim. Banish the thought. It's not the world you're going to live in. It's not an option anymore. And had Klai Yisrael been able to internalize that message, had Klai Yisrael been able to understand that principle, then even if they were disappointed in the desert, and even if the journey was taking much longer than they anticipated, but there's no option. There's no option. Going back to Mitzrayim doesn't exist. Those are the two Mahalchim. And it was So let's see an unbelievable Yusuf. 
It's not we know, but we'll see it in the new light. Hashem offers Klai Yisrael the Torah. And Klai Yisrael are inspired. And Klai Yisrael accept the Torah. Yes, the Yitzhah will challenge us. Yes, the Yitzhah will make it difficult for us. But at Matan Torah, Klai Yisrael saw the fire. They heard the shofar. They shook from the impact and intensity of the Debris. So, of course, in that setting, of course they kept the Torah. Of course they all got together and shouted, Nice even Nishma. But the question is, that's when you're inspired. That's when you're inspired. That's when you, on the level where you're willing to take the challenge and you're willing to overcome. And what's going to happen down the line? What's going to happen in years from now? Even centuries from now? When that inspiration starts to wear off. And the temptation of the Yetzirah comes back again. What reserves are we going to have to draw on to overcome the Yetzirah then? When we don't feel inspired. And therefore there had to be a second part to Matan Torah. Tosavos asks, once we had already said, why did we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to hold the mountain over us and say, if you don't accept the Torah, can't take for us why was that necessary? And Tosus answers, because maybe there will be because of the fire. Not quite clear what that means. I'd like to explain it like this. Because maybe Naisivanishma was said under the inspiration of the moment. Maybe Naisiv and Ishma came from the way Klai Yisrael felt at the time. And that was inspired by the tremendous fire that they saw. The Nisim that they were witness to. And maybe without that, there would be Chazibra. And therefore, there had to be a second part to Matan Torah. And the second part of Matan Torah was, there's no other option. It's not that we chose the Kitha Torah. When we choose not to, then we can... Think back about the option of non-keeping Torah. There isn't another option. Once we've accepted the Torah, there's no looking back. There's no doubting that decision. There's no option of going back to not keeping the Torah. Shom take for Aschen. Banish the thoughts. You're not in that world anymore. Because if that's the reality that a person has, if the level he's holding by is that the other option is not an option. I don't have a second option. I'm compelled. Then Mimela, the Yetzer doesn't have something to tempt him with. The Yetzer doesn't have something to offer him. Because in his mind he's already decided there isn't that the option is not available to me. It's an oilam she'ayna shalcha. This principle I learned from something Abdesli says, and he says the tachis of bechira. Bechira begins from the point that a person can choose. So I see options. I can choose good and I can choose bad. But a choice can be remade, retaken, and therefore just because I chose good today, isn't a guarantee I'm going to choose good tomorrow. Maybe in the circumstances of my mindset of tomorrow, I'll change my mind and choose bad. Therefore, Avdesla writes that the MS, the Bechira, 
if you want to call it the ultimate Bechira for good, is when I no longer have Bechira for Ra. When it's, I've chosen Tov in such a way that there isn't a future option to choose Ra. How do you do that? What does that mean? Exactly what we said to that. Not that I chose good because I was inspired now to do good. Because then what's going to be the driving force to make me choose good when that inspiration isn't there? And the answer is offering bad. The Bechira has to be that this is my option and there isn't another one. Because if that's the way that the Bechira gets solidified in a person's mind, that the other option is it's a world which doesn't exist for me. It's a world which I can't connect to. Then it's not an option. Then it's no longer available to me. Then it's like telling the Yidin when they carry on Mitzrayim, you'll never see Mitzrayim again. Don't even think about it. It's no longer available to you. What HaKadosh Baruch told us at Har Sinai. Now that you've accepted Torah, there's no going back. This is the only option forward. When a person comes to that clarity, then just like Shimon HaTzadik felt confident that the Nazir wouldn't recant on his Naziris, he wouldn't doubt his decision because the other option was an Olam And the same is true for Rakabaras HaTorah. When we come to Shavuos with the feeling we makabal Torah, not just because we're inspired to because of Shavuos, but because we understand that another option doesn't exist for us. This is the only life possible. This is the only option Hashem has given us. Then it makes it a Gabbara Torah which is much more deep. Much more reliable. And then we Zaycha, from Hashem's point of view, to be given the Torah on a much greater level.